You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time for David's pick on America's Web Radio. And today we have Paul Hansen on. Paul's been on uh, with us uh, one other time. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking to Paul. And uh, uh, as always, we're going to uh, uh, do our opening uh, memorial to my friend, J. Roy Ritchie. And um, Paul, welcome to America's Web Radio. And if you all will join us in uh, just a, a minute of silent prayer for our brothers and sisters that have given the ultimate sacrifice over the years. And we'll be right back in about one minute. Amen. So, with that being said, uh, we want to thank Paul for joining us today. And as the other tradition is, is do one of those crazy Jodies. And uh, we all look at those Jodies. Okay, Paul, good morning. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day and uh, no rain, right at the moment anyway, and uh, hopefully we'll miss it. So with that, uh, I wanted to do a little uh, uh, recapping of you were um, in Vietnam and uh, you're... uh, you are in charge of something very interesting. What did you do uh, in Nam? I was uh, infantry. I got there in uh, February of 1968 in time for Tet, and then uh, left there in February of 69. So you you did your full year. <laughs> and uh, 11 Bravo, huh? 11 Bravo, yes. Well, uh, I was 11 Bravo, but uh, was uh, in the Guard. So, 
anyway, but we're we're glad that you made it back safe and soundly. And um, actually, today you're doing something that I find just fascinating, and particularly you're in um, Dahlonega, right? That's correct, yes. And um, you started a situation, and I, I'm going to just let you talk about it and uh, tell the country about it. How? What's the population of Dahlonega? Well, Dahlonega, uh, we're in Lumpkin County. There's only one metropolis in Lumpkin County, uh, Dahlonega, and I think Dahlonega is about 5,500 population. There's about twenty-three or 24,000 in the whole county. Wow, okay. And uh, out of that, all of the people are nice except for that one old goat, right? There's always one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But other than that, uh, tell us about what you started and how it's going and what you uh, project for the future. Well, 21 years ago, uh, three of us got together and started a community service project called the Veterans Memorial Markers. And the idea was to honor our deceased servicemen, whether they served in a conflict or not, men or women, and uh, anybody that, that volunteered or was drafted or put on a uniform and was honorably discharged and they're passed away, if their uh, family lives in Lumpkin County or if they've lived in Lumpkin County, we, uh, uh, we asked for a small donation to get it started, and then we put them up perpetually. But we lined the, the roads in, in Dahlonega with uh, the memorial markers showing the deceased veteran's name, and if they served in a conflict, uh, we don't have any rank because we're honoring the privates and the generals uh, the same because we're, we're just honoring our servicemen that are deceased, you know, and mm -hmm. women. And um, you've got, uh, I believe you said, upwards of 900 now? Uh, yes. We started, uh, we got a list from our magistrate judge of veterans that had served and had passed away there were 28 when we started in uh 2000 and when we took them down uh last november after veterans day we had 900 of them wow so it's uh it's a it's it's gotten almost out of hand it's gotten so popular <laughs> the uh i've got 14 different teams each team has approximately 60 markers and there's eight to ten volunteers per team so a community as small as Dahlonega is that we have 150 plus volunteers show up to help put these up and take them down we have to drive a metal stake in the ground and, and bolt the memorial marker to it and put a flag on it each one of them has a flag coming out of the top of it so it's it's really impressive Paul, do you uh, do you all have a um, a website? We don't personally have one. Uh, the Lumpkin County Veterans Affairs Advisory Committee has a website, um, and the American Legion has got a, a website. Where uh, the American Legion has let us build a storage building on their property here in town. Wow. And uh, so we've kind of folded into the American Legion over the years. Well, is, uh, on their website, does it have uh, pictures of uh, 
the monuments and the markers? The memorial markers? Yeah. I I don't know. That's not my expertise. I'm kind of gray on top, and I'm not into the computer stuff. Uh, but we do have a webmaster that, that handles stuff. I'll have to check with him. If he doesn't, we'll take care of it. Well, it'd, it'd be interesting for uh, a place to... Uh for people to go and and what you all have done, it would be a a prime example for many small towns and cities across the country to do something like that. And uh, you know, I I finally I think that uh, uh, our military, our our veterans, are getting the respect that uh, they certainly deserve. And uh, you know whether. They died in combat, or uh, like my friend J. Roy Ritchie died from from his combat experience in Nam, and uh, as a result of Agent Orange, and uh, we're we're getting deaths now from uh, from Iraq and the Middle East, uh, from Desert Shield and Desert Storm, from the burn pits, and uh, you know I, we just have to. As I, I say many, many times, in my opinion, our veterans are our history book today. And every veteran, no matter what they did or what they've done, should grab their kids or grab their grandkids, put them on their laps and tell them about what it means to raise your hand and swear to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all foreign and domestic enemies. And that, you know, we're missing that in our in our textbooks today. And uh, a veteran, no other person in the world can tell the story better than a veteran of what the flag means to them and what the country means to them. So Absolutely. You know, it... I was drafted and in the military for two years. It, it made a lasting impression on me. Um, of course, after being discharged, you know, Vietnam was not a popular war, so you didn't talk. I've talked more about Vietnam in the last year than I have in the last 52 years. I can imagine. But, you know, after coming home in uh, Vietnam being so unpopular, the first... 10 or 15 years I didn't do anything didn't didn't even consider it but once we started this memorial project I've really gotten involved with the veterans um, Lumpkin County Dahlonega is a, a military community we've got the mountain rangers uh, base out here where the, the rangers do their mountain training mm-hmm. I've run that course before yeah, Camp Merrill yeah, it's. Uh, I think on uh, Mother's Day they have the. Uh, it's open, and uh, I believe it was on Mother's Day that we, uh, with my son and I, my son who happens to be a, a major in the Air Force now, uh, but we ran that course together. Oh boy, <laughs> that was a wild back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't know I if I could drive it today. They have their open house. Right. Yeah, and we went to you know went well. Uh, my son had run it before, and then uh, then he and I ran it. And uh, afterwards, we went to the uh, museum that they've got there. And 
it just uh, Fort Merrill is a just a interesting little place, you know. And uh, they still and there's not uh, special forces rangers. Uh, and I think don't the seals even come up for some of their mountain training? I believe they do. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you talk to them, that's some pretty rugged country you got up there. They train in some pretty rugged country. That's what it's all about. Yeah. It. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of military that cycles through here, and they come back uh, as instructors, live here for a few years, and there's a lot of uh, retired rangers that live in the area. So there, we've got a big ex-military presence here, presence here in uh, in Lumpkin County. So that means Lumpkin County is well protected. Well protected, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, in our first conversation I asked you this, and with the presence that you have there in, in uh, Dahlonega and, and Lumpkin, uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, the veterans get together either at the VFW or wherever. And uh, as I asked once before, can whenever you're together with a bunch of veterans, have you ever known one that could tell only one story? No, you're right. Once once they get started, it's kind of never-ending. Yeah. You can spend, spend a lot of time there. But I tell you, those stories are so valuable. I mean, you know, everything from basic training to what the Rangers go through up in your area in training at least one, well, I'd say no, not one. At least 25 to 100 stories come out of it. And um, you crank some of these veterans up. Like you said, you get them going and you can't put a plug in the drain, you know. But but you hear the greatest stories in the world from, from veterans. And um, with, like I said earlier, our veterans today are our history books because the history is just, they never took the time to listen to veteran stories. And uh, that's one thing that we do. Uh, Pete Mecca does a show called A Veteran's Story. And uh, it's a very good show, and we uh, we support Pete and, and all the veterans. And uh, we look forward to every, every Thursday when I do David's Pick and uh, get to talk to the veterans. I always learn something about them. Uh, out of the... When you were in 68 through 69, uh, you know, one of the main things everyone's taught is uh, cover your buddy, you know. You got you got my six and I got your six. So how many of those guys that you served with do you stay in contact with? I don't stay in contact with any of them. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Viet- Vietnam was different than... The military today, in the respect that uh, most of us were drafted, uh, so I had one individual from my hometown that we went through basic training and AIT together, and then when we got to Vietnam, we got split up. So we didn't go over there as a unit; we went over there as individuals. Mm-hmm. And then they assigned you to a unit. I was assigned to the first air cab. And, you know, when you get in a unit, you make some friends. 
But you don't want to very much. I'm sorry, go ahead. But you don't want to make very close friends because it can hurt. Well, you learn that after a few months. uh, We went through a big firefight where I lost uh, the guy that I was closest to. And then for the rest of the tour, you didn't make real close friends. And uh, like I say, Vietnam was not a popular war, so when I got home, you just ignored what had happened and you went on with your life, you know. Right, yeah, it was uh, when you're ordered not to wear your uniform through the airport, that's that's pretty bad. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, where did you do your basic? Fort Lewis, Washington. Oh, okay, well, uh, I was down the road a piece from you. I was in... Uh, Fort Ord, California. Yeah. And and even going through uh, basic training because of the cold and the dampness and the concern for spinal meningitis, we uh, we went through as a company, but we never left our platoon. Our platoon couldn't commingle with the other platoons. And did you have a MAGA tag on, the white MAGA tag? On your fatigues? I don't know what that is. Okay, you know where you have your name on, on your uh, uniform, on your fatigues. We, 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 you and I were in basic uh, approximately the same time, give or take. But uh, they would, uh, you know, you'd have your name on over your. I think it was your left side. I can't remember exactly, but on the on the right side, you'd have a white. Tag that they literally in marks a lot. Uh, put your company and whatever, and it was called a maggot tag because, like you said, spinal meningitis. And if you were, I was in uh, Company C, Second Platoon, or whatever it was, and uh, if you were caught off your off of your area. And somebody saw your maggot tag, and you know you could you could get in a lot of tr- uh, trouble. And uh, you you weren't to go out of your area under any circumstance unless you were unless it was part of a, a force march or you were doing a, uh, rifle training or whatever. Uh, so, but you you stayed like you said you stayed with your platoon and you stayed within the company area. I bl- yeah, I believe you're right. I remember that. Yeah, when we when we went to the PX, we'd go as a company, but they would let one platoon in at a time, and you'd have to stand in formation until each platoon came back. And when you went on forced marches, you went as a company, but every platoon was separated from the other platoon. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was all quite an experience. And uh, did you... Uh, I assume you got to take some of those wonderful air shots, vaccinations or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Walk down the hallway. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. I've, I've told this story. We had a, in my uh, platoon, we had a uh, Michigan football player, big boy. I mean, big boy. So we've already had all of our, our one round of shots and... Um, with needles, and then we go in to get another round of shots a couple of weeks later or whatever it was, and they were with the uh, with the air shot, 
And uh, so the corpsman said, oh, this doesn't hurt at all, and shot it across the room and, and laughed and said, just think of that as your arm. And so we're, we're, we're going up to get our shots, and everybody's doing fine. And, and uh, I'd already gotten mine, and then I heard this big thud. And uh, the Michigan football player was up to get his, and before the corpsman could give it to him, he passed out. Just, he, he couldn't imagine how bad that was going to be, I guess. But, I mean, he made a lot of noise when he uh, fainted. I don't, I don't recall anybody. We went in the front door down the hall and out the back door down four or five steps, and I don't remember anybody falling out inside, but when you got back outside, you had to line up back in your platoon formation, and they were dropping out there like flies <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> and I think that was the second round. The first round, you got a lot of, uh, I don't remember what the shots were, but the second round was all your overseas shots. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and they gave them, they gave them to everybody, not not just the people that uh, like I like I was there as a as a guardsman, and uh, but that didn't make any difference. They would still give you the shot just in case they decided you they wanted your guard unit. <laughs> yeah, they were. I guess that would be called being prepared. I suppose, but. Yeah, you just can't can't imagine to do that and in today's society, you know, with the same gun shooting the same deal at everybody every single time. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah. it was it was interesting and, and I think, you know, uh I look back on my my time and, and I've related this and I'll ask you if you do the same. Um obviously you went on to Nam but yeah, I look back at, at BASIC and AIT that there were many times that being the smart aleck that I am, you know, the thought would go through my head, why in the world are we doing this? This makes absolutely no sense. This oh, is yeah. crazy. Yeah. So now I look back on it 50-some-odd years later and say, yeah, now I understand why we did that. And, you know, the the military has practiced now for, what, 240 years or something? And uh, they know what they're doing, whether it's the Army or Marines or Navy or Air Force, whatever. They know what they're doing to break a person down and build them back up. And uh, Absolutely, absolutely. You should have seen a bunch of misfits when, you know, you show up for basic training. And... and you can't march. You can't. You can't do anything. <laughs> Correctly, and, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and out of shape. You know, they they try to get you out there and run you, and everybody's coughing and hacking because everybody smokes and they can't breathe. Yep. <laughs> and uh, the PT test they give you when you get there. I think I got two hundred and sixty some on the out of five hundred on the PT test. And I was a little couple years older than most, so they made me a squad leader. So every time somebody screwed up my squad and they had to drop and do push-ups, I had to drop with them. And I scored 490 on the final PT test at the end of two months of basic training. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? 
you're right. They break you down and build you back up, and they pump you full of confidence. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. they do. And, and you asked me last time I was on with you, you know, did you feel like you were properly trained when you got to Vietnam? And in a sense, yes, because you were invincible. I mean, they pumped you up. You were in fighting shape, and you could hit what you aimed at. And you found out real quick that you probably weren't as good as you should have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, at the same token, we have the greatest military in the world. And uh, and personally, I was in, um, uh, I was at the end of the draft and, and right in the lottery. And uh, my number was 12. So I knew what that meant. And that's why I went ahead and joined. And... I uh, I look back on it and it just it's an interest. I I think it, I think the volunteer military is the best thing that ever happened, and uh, you know I I think that everybody owes their country a, a year or two years, depending on what they want to do, and and we promote it all the time that the military. I can guarantee in any. Anybody that's graduating from high school, man or woman, or from college, and they haven't decided what they want to do, but they have some preferences or likes or dislikes, and I guarantee you that there is a branch of our military that will give you a career in whatever it is you like to do. And uh, once you come out of there and you put that I was in the military for two years or whatever, and uh, with an honorable discharge, and you're a step ahead of anybody else that's applying for that job because they know you're a leader, you start it, you finish it, and you're well, well trained. Absolutely. I think that was, that really, that really made me grow up. It grounded me real quick. I'm like you, I'm kind of a smart ass. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't take them long to get that out of you. That's true. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, and, and it, it's, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I, I don't know what I'd have ended up as if I hadn't gone in the military. Uh, but especially if you get to travel and see right. the other third world countries and stuff, it really makes you appreciate America. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Paul, we're going to take a break. I skipped over one, so we're going to make up for it right now. But we'll be back in just a couple of minutes uh, with Paul Hansen. And um, I want to find out more about this, uh, what you're doing up in uh, Dahlonega. So we'll be right back after this. Hello. My name is Colonel Retired Rick White, a United States Army veteran, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I would like to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. If you are a Georgia veteran, and the Georgia veteran's definition is you are either born in this state or you lived in the state 10 years or you raised your right hand and joined the military in the state of Georgia, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to your website at www.gmvhof.org or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. Nominations need to be in by the last Friday in August each year again. If you're a Georgia veteran or you're a friend or family member of a Georgia veteran, living or deceased, please consider nominating that veteran to this highly noble and rare Hall of Fame for our great state. Thank you so much. 
I want to add to what Colonel White just said uh, just a little bit and remind everybody that uh, this Saturday we're they're doing the uh, induction of the 2020 Hall of Fame members. They because of the COVID they had to postpone the uh, uh, ceremony, uh, the induction ceremony into the Hall of Fame until. Uh, this coming Saturday, it's going to be at 2 o'clock at the Healing Wall in Johns Creek. At They have a little pavilion there, and uh, it's going to start at 2 o'clock, and they're suggesting to get a parking place. You might want to get there a little early, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We're going to be there, and uh, uh, hopefully, well, I know a lot of other folks uh, that have been inducted over the uh, over the years are going to be there and uh, we're we're looking forward to seeing a bunch of our friends and it's like I said it's in Johns Creek at Newtown Park that's where the healing wall is and the healing wall is the 50% size uh, 50% of size of the uh, regular Vietnam wall in Washington DC and um uh, it traveled all over the country, and then the Johns Creek Veterans Association wound up buying it and giving it a permanent home there in Newtown Park. And um, it has been a closure for many, many folks. And they will soon have a a uh, computer that you can uh, go and put in a name and find out exactly where it is and walk right to it. So uh, we're looking forward to that and looking forward to uh, Mike Mazel does a, a wonderful job of the healing wall in the park, and uh, or that part of the park. And uh, also want to give kudos to uh, Colonel Rick White, retired, that he has done such a wonderful job. Um, Paul Longer, Longer started it, and then um, Rick came on as the director of the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you haven't been to it, then please go down to uh, – it's right across the street from the Capitol in the uh, Floyd Building. And uh, take your kids, take your grandkids, and go and listen and look at the stories of our Georgia veterans. They're all inspiring, and it's a wonderful – day to spend downtown and i might add that the floyd building has a good little cafeteria and you can go there plan on uh having lunch there and uh it's well worth the trip downtown so let's get back to paul and um paul where do you think the uh the markers are going from here you've got 900 that you all put out what, what do you think? Uh, are you all going to work on another project? Uh, or what, what's your plans? Sir, there's 900 of them, and I don't know how you stop it. We've got it started now. I don't know how it's going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I've, it's gotten so big that I can't do much. I, I still build them. Most of them, I have a, another guy that helps. And uh, but I organize and call my team leaders. But and 
make them responsible for their section and their markers. If they get dirty, they need to clean them. If they need to be replaced, they need to get them to me. And then uh, I'll have new ones made and put them back into their racks. So it's it's uh, it's gotten it's gotten really big, but we've got it working so smooth like a well-oiled machine. I just keep it going. Uh, and during this last, I guess for about a year and a half, we worked real heavy on the American Legion up here. We got post 239 that we've completely remodeled it. And uh, we've got finally got a wine license and we got a liquor license now. So we have beer, wine, and mixed drinks. We're trying to attract some of the younger veterans. You know, all your organizations are, are kind of hurting for membership. Most of the members are our age are getting kind of old, and we've carried the torch a long time. It's time to get younger members in and try to pass the torch off and keep everything going, you know. And we're getting, I say, we're more and more are, are coming in after uh, being in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, the, the, the camaraderie of the service organizations is just, uh, it's incredible and, uh, and respected. And a lot of folks don't understand uh, service officers. Uh, do you ever do any of that at all, Paul, or... I have not worked as a service officer. We've got a, a good service officer up here, but and you're right. If if there's veterans that need some help with certain things and they don't know how to go about it, that's what our service officers are for. They come looking for help. They come to the American Legion. They can point them in the right direction and help them get get through the hurdles they have to go through to get help, or you know, get into the VA stuff like that. And I, I want to add one other thing to that is that. Um not only is it the veteran that can go and talk to a service officer, but the family can go. And in many cases, uh, particularly in, unfortunately, in death situations, uh, the family, the wife or whoever is, the, is left behind doesn't know what that veteran has coming to them. Uh, and the service officer knows what and where and how to do it and how to get it and if um, you know we experienced that with my brother-in-law and uh, it was amazing uh, how much information is out there and uh, just not known about and this is where if you are a young uh, officer or a young veteran it doesn't matter what rank you are but just to talk with other other veterans and then find out where you stand in the community or what's available to you or, you know, whatever. And uh, they, uh, you know, it's it's a good place to get information. It is. It, you know, especially, you know, like some of us Vietnam veterans, we've been out of it for 50 years. And you don't realize, but Agent Orange has probably affected most of us. I've got a, a bad heart, had a massive heart attack in 1994 when I was 49. Wow. Of course, they hadn't included that as ischemic heart disease as one of the uh, 
causes from Agent Orange until about seven or eight years ago. But I would have never known about that if it hadn't been for the the Legion and the other members. And they'll, you know, members talk amongst themselves and say, "Hey, you need to, you need to get." I hadn't, I wasn't in the VA system until about uh, seven or eight years ago, and I finally got approved for a bad heart from Agent Orange and got some disability, which just really amazed me. And uh, and the VA, you know, people. You hear so many bad stories about the VA. I've never had a problem with the VA. Everything I've asked for, asked for, they may not be the fastest in the world, but they're they get there. You know. And I, I think uh, I think Trump did one of the best things ever. Is where if if you can't get what you need at the VA, you can go outside, and the government will still pay for it. And um, I right. I just it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. If they don't have the specialist that you need, you're right. They've got the choice system, so you can go out and find a specialist and work it through the VA. Yes. And I, you know, it's um, again like like I said earlier, the kids that are graduating from high school or from college that haven't made their decision on what they want to do with the rest of the life, look at the military. It is. It's not. You know, it, it, I think a lot of people think that it's all shooting and cowboys and Indians or something, but it's, no, it's it's a career, and you'll learn something with experience, which gives you a foot up on everybody else. You just can't experience what you can in the military. And um, I want to remind everybody that they, they can come out and... Uh, we need to take a, another break, and we'll do that. But uh, they uh, they need to come out and to the uh, induction ceremony on Saturday, this Saturday. So we'll be back with Paul right after a couple of messages. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Hello. My name is Colonel Retired Rick White, a United States Army veteran, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I would like to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. If you are a Georgia veteran, and the Georgia veteran's definition is you were either born in this state or you lived in the state 10 years or you raised your right hand and joined the military in the state of Georgia, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to your website at www.gmvhof.org or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. Nominations need to be in by the last Friday in August each year again. If you're a Georgia veteran or you're a friend or family member of a Georgia veteran, living or deceased, please consider nominating that veteran to this highly noble and rare Hall of Fame for our great state. Thank you so much. 
If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. And we're back with Paul Hansen, and we've talked about the military and what it means and uh, once again Paul wanted to invite and and this goes across the country not not just for Dahlonega but for any place that there's a, a veterans organization be it the VFW or the Foreign Legion or American Foreign Legion right American Legion, American Legion or whatever the case might be uh, they need the veterans that are just now uh, coming back from wherever they've been deployed and served, uh, you know, and uh, it's important to keep these organizations going. Paul, what else would you add to that? Well, that's that's uh, a big thing, and and we're really going to start pushing that here in Delonica. You know, we've got one of the best military colleges um, in the country here at North Georgia College. And a lot of those students are are active. They're they're back from Afghanistan, and the commander up here, Bill Rittenhouse, is the commander of uh, Legion Post Two Thirty Nine, and he's got a, a real good calendar just for the month of April. They're going to have uh, they've got live music up there, jam sessions on Thursday. They got karaoke on Friday, the April the ninth. The 10th, they're going to have hamburgers at $5 a person. Uh, Sunday the 11th, they got live music with Cindy Bell. I mean, he's got the whole month laid out. So there's a lot of things to do. Uh, but these military organizations have to keep going. We used to have a VFW up here, but it ended up folding up because of lack of participation. And uh, I think it's real important to... to get the word out to these younger veterans that uh, there are things to do with these organizations and we need to have them part of them. You know what? Uh, what do you all do actively to uh, recruit veterans into your organization? How, how do you touch them? How do they know, unless they are looking for it, how do they know that uh, you're there? Well, we're going to put the word out. We're going to have... Uh, uh, cookouts and 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 have them for the different age groups to start with, with the Afghan vets, with the Desert Storm vets, uh, and try to get them to come up, bring their families up, and uh, feed them a meal, show them around, uh, tell them what we do, and um. We've got speakers. They've got a nice uh, JROTC at the high school. We have speakers that go and talk to them. Uh, and that's, 
and that's primarily to get the the youngsters interested in the military. Well, you know, uh, one of the shows that we do uh, is called Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And the reason that we do it, that was our basically our last real engagement. And people, citizens or, or civilians, have already forgotten about it. You ask the man on the street what was Desert Shield, and they would have, they probably have no clue, and they certainly wouldn't know who was involved or why we did what we did. And uh, it's important, there's nothing nice about a war, but what's worse is to forget it and forget those that, that served. And so we, that's why we do that, that particular show. And, um, uh, Phil, uh, Phil does a heck of a job on it and talking about what he did in, uh, in Desert Shield and then he was a Mohawk pilot and, uh, which was basically, uh, Intel and, uh, fixed wing that, uh, he fought, flew in very dangerous zones. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was it's it was an interesting time, and glad that uh, we're not engaged in. Well, we we are still engaged, but uh, hopefully that will be over soon. But uh, whatever we can do, Paul, to help you all or help any. In fact, it would be um, a national situation of encouraging veterans that are coming back now, or younger veterans that are in their. I guess uh, really probably anywhere from 30 to 50, in my opinion, would be considered young. And um, they need to uh, follow through and and join one of the service organizations. Well, they're younger than that. They're still in college. I mean, a lot of these guys uh, at North Georgia College are, you know, they've been drafted. They're in the guard. They're going to college, and they've, They've been deployed, so they've they've done a tour of duty and they're back going back to school again. So they well, uh, they need to get involved too. Yes, you know uh, you mentioned uh, North Georgia. My my son and you said how you know one of the best, and I wouldn't argue with that. But my my core Texas A and M graduate, Mike argue with a little bit on the biggest and the best. But I would <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm very proud of my major. And uh, like you said, he's done things that his old pappy never even dreamed of doing. And he and his wife have been all over the world, courtesy of your tax dollar. And uh, they've had some, some in fact, fantastic deployments uh he was in uh, germany for for uh three or four years and uh he also started out in hawaii and then he was uh then he was deployed to korea and you know they have they've just absolutely seen the world and uh uh loved every minute of it and i have no doubt that uh that he's careering it and uh and should at this point He's got the time in, and uh, he he will. 
I keep telling him he's he'll come out with a star. I have no doubt. And uh, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he's a, a I I call him a kid, but he's no kid. He's a man and and a wonderful man and um, a very very good leader. And that's that's what this country needs is very good leaders. And you learn yeah. that no matter what rank you come in or, or what rank you come out with, you know, if you've, if you've served your time, then you have learned leadership, whether it's the leadership of a squad, platoon, whatever, you've learned leadership and the importance of taking care of each other. And an employer will know that. So we, uh, yes, we very much tout looking at the military yeah you know and you were talking earlier about it's not all just guns and shooting uh, if i recall back i don't know what it is today but during the vietnam uh war or conflict the uh it took seven personnel in the back to back up the one infantry infantryman out in the field so you know those seven in the back they've got to be the secretaries, they've got to be doctors, they got to be nurses, uh, they got to run warehouses, resupply. I mean, there's, there's all kind of different trades you can learn in the military. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I guess if I'm proud of one thing today, it's the fact that the veteran is finally getting the recognition that they all deserve. And people realize more and more where if we didn't have the finest in the world we would be in deep trouble and uh but we wouldn't be here talking about it probably that's that's very true exactly yeah yeah and i uh i salute albra and i I always do two things too one is that i salute and i'm sure you're very familiar with this i i salute and I'm pleased to know a couple, but not many, of uh, the dust-off pilots and the job that they did in Vietnam. And those guys and some women were incredible. And um, that and then the other thing that I always bring up, and and uh, no matter what the conflict is or what the deployment is, there's always somebody left behind. And the family members, uh, whatever the situation is, they're deployed just like the person that's actually going in country. And that may sound strange, but they are because they're having to take on extra work. They're having to raise the kids or do this or do that. And they're in many, many ways as deployed as the person that's going in country. And well, they're, they've got a a worse situation there's they have to stay home and run everything where the person being deployed might be in a hazardous zone but he's there with one thing on his mind where the people that's left at home have got to worry about the person being deployed plus take care of the family exactly and when uh when reservists were first being called up and we we would go on the air and and still believe this, that if somebody in your neighborhood is deployed and the wife or wife and kids or whatever the situation is, 
you know, offer to help, offer to mow the grass or offer to change the light bulbs or whatever the case might be. And uh, we also always insist, not ask, insist, that if you're going through the airport or going through any situation and you see a, a veteran that has, I serve proudly on the USS whatever or this or that, whatever hat they happen to have on, or and in many cases, one... One veteran can pick another veteran out of a crowd at 50 feet, just about. But be that as it may, if you're going through the airport and you see a first responder or someone in military uniform, buy them a cup of coffee, a drink, a dinner, and they will appreciate it, but not near as much as the satisfaction that you'll get out of it. You'll walk away feeling that I've done something for my country through this person, this uh, active duty or veteran or whatever the case might be, but it will make you feel better than it does the person that you do it for. But think about it and and act on it the next time you're in a situation that you see somebody in uniform. If nothing else, if absolutely nothing else, say thank you, and they'll know exactly what you mean. Absolutely. They say thank you for your service. Yes, sir. And that goes for cops, first responders, EMTs, whatever the case might be. Just thank you for your service. And uh, they're the ones that that have our backs, you know. And uh, they're the ones that have raised their hand, and they're the ones that... Who do we call on first? Our military, our medics, our... First responders, be they fire, police, EMTs, whatever. Anybody that puts raises their hand and wears a uniform or has worn a uniform is a first responder. Can you can you name one nation, Paul, that responds to anything faster than the United States? No, I sure can't. It's uh and you don't realize it's so easy to take all of these first responders for granted until you need them. That's true. Very true. And then what a, what a difference. You, it really opens your eyes, you know. No question about it. And at some point in everybody's life, we need somebody else. And, uh, you know, and to be able to, we've got the greatest country in the world and the greatest flag in the world. And, you know, I, like you said, you take them for granted until you need them, but they're there, and they're there quickly, and anybody that believes in defunding the police, they should ride with a, they should go for a ride with a cop at midnight, or they should... You know, they should go into that dark building with a broken glass and see who's inside. Oh, yeah. Or they should need them one time and wonder why they don't show up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, this where we're at in this country, uh, is, the folks that will take a knee are shameful. And... Uh, I have no respect. I don't care if they're the greatest athlete in the world. I have no respect for them if they don't respect our flag, our national anthem, our military, and our first responders. And uh, really don't care what 
ever happens to them one way or the other. But when they, when, you know, it's, you look at what's happened, and I hate to get political, but you look at what happens when they say uh, we're not going to support the police. First thing that happens is the bad guys walk in the door. Well, sure. They get a carte blanche treatment. Yep. And uh, we should all be ashamed. And the same way with with uh, our military if we have a strong supported and I underline that word supported military nobody in their right mind would want to mess with the United States and uh, they won't you know and we have never taken never invaded or taken anyone's land nor will we ever in my opinion but you know the land that we've only taken from a country was to bury our own and uh, now I don't think we even do that we if in a conflict uh, someone is is killed and they're still flown back to the United States and uh, we just uh, God anybody that doesn't think we live in the best country in the world is out of their mind they should go to Venezuela or or you know, take a trip to... There, there's, a, there's a lot of countries they can go visit and, and see the difference. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, they can stay there. Um, I, you know, pride in our country is... And what you all are doing with your markers is just fantastic. And, you know, adding the flag to it, I've got... I'm looking at uh, one, two, three, four, five, six flags in my studio and uh, I get I get that certain feeling because of being a vet that you look at the flag and you know what it really means and how great it is so with that being said we're going to have to uh, roll up the red carpet and uh, get out of here for pretty quickly and, uh, Paul, I want to thank you again for relating your stories. And uh, one last word is if you're, a, if you're a veteran and you're not a member of a service organization, then join one and become a part of it. And, uh, you know, you can't walk into a place and find any nicer folks than veterans. They are wonderful and I would guarantee you that you'll have something in common with with them, no matter where you go or or who you see or what you do. You'll have you'll you'll have something in common with with somebody in that organization and find out how much fun it can be. So yeah, when you get with a service organization, it doesn't take long to strike up a conversation with somebody. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And. You'll even find that uh, what kind of haircut will point them out to you. So <laughs> we got to get out of here. Paul, thank you again. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on in the near future talking about more about what you all are doing in Dahlonega, Georgia. Take care. Thank you, David. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.